All right. Let's just quickly take that declaration. We do, um, like I said, um, it's our school of prayer. We took it earlier in the day, that one we started, but we just want to make sure it registers as part of our message for today. Are you ready? All right, I want to, let's go then. We enter into the presence of the Father, each one as a renewed child of God. We have not come in the power of the good works which we have done. We have come only because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. We thank the Lord for saving us. We thank the Lord for washing us clean. We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. We have come to God, the judge of all. We have come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. We have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. We declare in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen? amen. I said amen. amen. That's what we declare anytime time we gather to pray. And every line of that declaration is important. Every line of that declaration is what the Spirit of God is saying we should pay attention to. Please let me remind us everything we said in there especially when we say that we have come because of the grace and mercy which we have in Christ Jesus. They are very important. We have not come because of the good works which we have done. We have come in the power of the name of Jesus Christ, which is the mercy of God personified. Do you understand that? All right, the Lord is good. Now, it's our school of prayer. It's a school in which we learn how to live our Christian lives in the arena of prayer. We have been called, we are looking at that now, primarily to be prayer warriors, primarily to be intercessors. So we have come to gain understanding again today. We have come to have knowledge of what God wants us to do. And we believe that because we have asked, God has answered our prayers and he has granted us understanding. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. He has granted us insight. Amen. He has granted to us inspiration to know what he said to us per time. And because of that, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. Let's quickly sit down and get into the teaching for today. Men ought always to pray, and what? Not to get tired, not to faint. All right. So we are continuing to look at the basic precepts concerning prayer. Uh, we have been looking at a number of things. Last time we spent quite a bit of time teaching on the prayer of intercession. Now before I review what we said so we can continue, let's just take two portions of the scriptures as our text for today. I think first of all, we should read from the prayer of Jesus Christ that he prayed for the disciples before he left. The book of John chapter 17 you know, I was thinking earlier this evening, you know, Jesus said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, what did he say? 
only find face upon the earth. You know, it's a real problem. And he said that when he said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know what that tells you? The main problem we are having on this earth right now is that people have lost faith. And for that reason, they are not praying as they ought to pray. That's just a summary of it. People have lost faith. And for that reason, they are not praying as they ought to pray. And Jesus said it will happen. He warned that that was a danger. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I want to admonish us again this season to be careful that we don't lose our faith. You know what? God answers prayers. What did I say? God answers prayers. What did I say? If you pray to him sincerely, he will answer. The main problem is that we lose faith. And Satan has just one agenda. You see, he doesn't have power. The only thing he wants to steal from me is our faith, our trust in God, our reliance upon the Lord, our dependence on him, our adherence to his word, to his will, to his person. That's all he wants to steal. Don't forget, when he went to the house of Job, he wasn't interested in Job's goods. He wasn't. He was interested in only one thing, the faith of Job. He just wanted Job to deny God. That's all. If Job would have said to Satan, if he knew, and said, give me a billion dollars, and if if Satan could come up with it, because don't assume the guy has money. Some people just assume that Satan can do anything. It's not true. Let's just assume that Job went to him and said, I want everything back, and Satan could afford it. You know, he would gladly give him back as long as Job would deny the Lord. I hope you're getting my point. Everything he's trying to do in your life is to undermine your faith. He's not interested in any other thing. He doesn't even want to kill you. Do you hear what I said? The devil doesn't really want to kill. Because if he kills the fellow and the fellow goes to heaven, what has he gained? What he wants is for your faith to fail. That's all he wants. He wants your faith to fail. Every other thing is not important to him. And the way by which he undermines our faith, of course, is a trick. There are tricks he uses. He just tries to persuade you that certain things are not true and some other things are true. Like we're preaching, okay, that was in Oka, all right? Like he'll come and tell you you are naked. That's what he does. Because remember, when the Lord came to the garden and he couldn't find Adam and Eve where he kept them. Now don't forget, God doesn't go to look for you where you are hiding. He goes to look for you where he told you to stay. He knew where they were, but that was not his business. He will go to where he kept you. I hope you're getting my point. Maybe you are working in company A. And God says, in three years, I'm going to come with maybe a blessing, prosperity, a good wife, or something. And he kept in company A. (laughs) In three years' time, that's where he's going to look for you. If you have gone somewhere else, he won't come there. He will go there and go and say, from there be shouting, where are you? I keep on telling believers, before you, before even you change the street you are living on, pray. Don't just jump from one place to the other recklessly. Not to talk about changing jobs or changing cities where you live 
or nations where you live. These are things you pray about very well. Because one day the Lord will come and he only goes to where he kept you. So he went and met Adam and Eve where they were supposed to be and they were not there. And then he said to them, where are you? They said, we are hiding. Why are you hiding? We are naked. What did he ask them? Who told you you were naked? It's a satanic strategy to tell you things that are not true. I want to say things that are not true. I don't mean if he tells you you are naked, you will find out that it's a lie. You're actually wearing clothes. No, that's not what I mean. Because physical reality is different from truth. I hope you're getting my point. As far as God was concerned, those people were not naked. Because nakedness is relative to some things. It was Satan that persuaded them they were naked. That's a matter of fact. It's Satan that will come and tell you you are rich when actually Jesus says you are poor. It's Satan that come and tell you you are poor when actually Jesus says you are rich. A banker cannot tell you whether you are rich or poor. They don't have the ability. A financial analyst cannot decide whether you are rich or poor. They can't see real substance. Now, what am I trying to say? Satan has only one agenda, and that is to undermine your faith. Because once he succeeds with that, every other thing falls into his hands. What am I saying? The problem in this generation is lack of faith. And because of lack of faith, we don't have the kind of prayer life we are supposed to have, so we don't have the kind of experiences with God that we are supposed to have. I began this by emphasizing that God actually answers prayers. But Jesus said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What am I saying? The reason why we are not praying the way we ought to pray is because we don't have faith. We've lost faith. There's something I've been explaining when it comes to the gospel, the gospel is shameful. I said it last time. That is, when I say shameful now, in itself it is not. The gospel is the wisdom of God. I hope you're getting my point. But it looks foolish to mankind. It looks foolish. So, when you preach the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, somebody tells you, what is the problem? Like the classmate of mine said when I was in secondary school, that day I lost in, uh, sorry, in university. I, I had a lot of respect for him before then. That day he made that statement. I lost, I think, mm, conservatively put, 75% of the respect I had for him disappeared. So he turned to me and said, Bank, is it true that the problem in Nigeria is that there are not enough Christians? I thought he, meant he, had, I thought he had a serious question all right, that he needed an answer to. So I said, well, not exactly, but that the Christians there are not doing what they are. No, I said something like that. Either they are not praying enough or they are not doing what they are supposed to do. And he laughed. And he said, that is a problem. As if you believe that nonsense. The Americans came together, planned their country. We can't come together to plan our country. And they look at what I'm saying. That what we need is to come together to plan. Then America had about 250 million people as population. So I looked at him, I said, you are telling me 250 million human beings gathered together to plan. 250 million. I said, look, you're not, you can't be serious. I looked at him. Of course, I didn't want to start anybody the history of the United States of America. I said, listen, no human being planned that country. What happens is that God plans nations. Their times come. Each one will have his time and they have different seasons. 
And if God has decreed for a particular nation, no matter how great Babylon might be, if God says, your season has come to an end, I'm sending the Medes and the Persians to take over from you, down you are going. I hope you're getting my point. So when you tell people sometimes that the solution to the problem of a nation like this is the preaching of the gospel of Christ, the, the gospel of truth, they don't believe. And this is where I'm going. Even Christians are ashamed of it. Even Christians, they are ashamed of it. Unconsciously, you are looking for something else to do. Someone will come to church. I saw a man analyze this was a few months before the election. I saw the video. Again, I, I was pained. He sat down and explained to us how redeemed our CCG, redeemed Christian Church of God, have so many parishes. We can harness that into political victory. Let, let's not talk about the Catholic Church, which has branches everywhere you know. You know the way Catholics are. They, you know, they, they see far. Catholics and Anglicans, they have vision like God. <laughs> you see one bush, they want to buy land. They say, no, no, all this bush belongs to the Catholic Church. This other bush belongs to the Anglican Church. Pentecostals, no, they see far. They just see. <laughs> no, I, I mean no insult, but we only buy. <laughs> now, you get my point. The Catholics, Pentecostals, Anglicans, and Orthodox Church, they've penetrated into the inner villages and all of that. The man said we can harness all of that. To win political victory. I felt like knocking. It was on the screen I was watching. I felt like knocking on the screen. Say, sir. So the kingdom of Jesus is now of this world. I felt like say, if Jesus was here with us now physically. We are Jesus Christ right now. But assuming he, the Jesus you know. You think he will, this thing you have said now. He will support you. Of course he will never do that. You know Christians don't think about these things. You know why we do what we do? We've lost faith. I want to emphasize it to us. It's a loss of faith. When you start hearing things like that, just know these Christians have lost faith. The man was speaking. He said, I've, I've been in politics. I think God sent me into politics. because I said, no, no, God. Politics confused you. You now think the kingdom of Christ Jesus is going to be built in this particular fashion when most certainly it is not. That is why, because we have lost faith, we spend a lot of time. We dedicate more time to worldly arrangement of things and we teach than teaching the real gospel. It's so bad that we can live a whole service. One day, there's one man I used to watch on TV, preacher of the gospel. The next thing, what was he doing? Bringing people to tell us how to control our cholesterol from diet. And I looked and I said, wow, you have lost faith in the gospel you were preaching. Now, I didn't have anything against the diet thing in itself. But let me explain. It's like, okay, to the gl- glory of God. I don't know how many of you know. This one will do every Saturday. This is the 20th year. So you know what we have been doing? Every Saturday, most of the times, 90% of the time, the one that's teaching. So we we'll preach like this. Then Tuesdays, like today is Tuesday, we we'll come for school of prayer like this. Now, imagine you will not show up one day. I said, today I'm not going to be preaching the word of God. So you assume we pastor came to we preach. Say, oh, pastor come to will not be preaching. I say, uh, that John is going to preach. No, that John is not going to preach. Ah, maybe your wife is preaching. No, my wife is not preaching. Who's preaching? Oh, I have Dr. <laughs> maybe Dr. Lupenga is right here. Who will teach us how to manage our blood pressure and our uh, blood sugar level with diet and exercise. Then I go and sit down. Now, is there anything wrong with somebody teaching you how to manage your blood pressure? No, no, there's no cash. Is there anything wrong with it? 
Anything wrong with somebody telling you how to control your blood sugar? What is wrong with what I've just done? That I left a consecrated pulpit on a day that everybody came to hear the word of God. And I gave it to a natural medical personnel to come and instruct the people while I sit down. A lot of people don't realize it. It's a sign. I have nothing wrong with it. If I wanted to do that, everybody come on Wednesday. Come on Monday. Come on one day. We don't meet normally. But when you have come to hear the word of God, the word of God is too superior to all these other things. Just by talking scripture, blood pressure goes down. I hope you know that. Just by talking scripture, blood sugar corrects itself. But when we don't believe it, we think we have to add other things. That's what I'm saying. Faith is undermined. That's why we start doing some funny things that we do. We think we have, to, we, have, we have to add something to it. We have become ashamed of the gospel. It is no longer the power of God unto healing for us. It's no longer the power of God unto the, you know, the blessings that God wants to impart into our lives. That's what the problem is. And that's what Jesus meant. You see, please, this is the illustration I use mostly. But, it, but there's, there's none better. To go for medical checkup is expensive. If you want to do it properly. It's very expensive. Do you know many people will advocate that on a regular basis for people? But then if you tell them, take a break from work once a year, go for a retreat with the scriptures and the you know, messages and just go and hear the word and pray over your health and that of your family. Do nothing else. We hardly advocate it. And if I were to advocate it for somebody, instead of medical check, you, you know, most people will think that, uh, let's be careful. Few people will tell you, let's be careful. If you tell them, I want to go and do a thorough medical checkup. But if you say, I don't want to do I want to go and pray thoroughly. You know, they will tell you, you have to be wise. If God has given us wisdom, it doesn't mean we will not use it. Let's use the wisdom. It doesn't mean we will not pray. We will still pray, Sha. We have to use this other wisdom. You know, when we talk like that, you know the truth? We have lost what? Faith. We have lost faith. That's just a sign. We have lost faith. We have lost faith. That's the, that's the problem. The loss of faith. Because there is nothing that we are pursuing any other way that God cannot give or will not give in answer to prayer. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why we keep teaching about prayer. I said we should open somewhere, right? John chapter... 17. Please, just bear that in mind. Let's guard our faith. It's something I've been teaching in the last, um, in recent times. Everywhere I go, it comes out from my mouth. Believers, guard your faith. Guard your faith. Not only guard it, build it. Work on it. Make it increase. Make it increase. It's something you do deliberately. Now let's continue our school of prayer. What we're teaching last time. Book of John chapter 17 is where I'm going to start from today. Now, it's the whole portion should be read. But to save time, I'm going to jump as I go on. My Bible heads this portion, the high priestly prayer. Now, in verse 1, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Verse 6. He said, I have manifested your name to the men whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have come to know that everything you have given me is from you. Please go to verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world, 
but of those whom you have given me. They are the ones I'm asking on their behalf. That's what he's saying. For they are yours. And all the things that are mine are yours. Verse 11 says, I'm no longer in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Look at this request. He's living. He said, Holy Father, keep them in your name. The name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Now go to verse um, 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so they may have my joy made full in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Please follow this. It says, verse 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You will notice I'm jumping a few lines here and there. And the reason is because I just want to emphasize on the areas in which he made specific requests for his uh, disciples. And then thereby saving time. He said in verse 20, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. He said, um, verse 24, Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you loved me may be in them, and I in them. Now, where I'm going is that you notice that Jesus, wrapping up his earthly ministry, what he began to do as he was about to leave the church behind, what he began to do was what? To pray for them. He began to hand down prayer. He went before the Father to pray for them. That was it. Was he had given instruction for years, and when he rose up from the dead, he came again, gave instructions for forty days. Afterwards, you know what he went to continue to do? What did he continue to do? To pray. As of today, Jesus is still praying. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. I'm paraphrasing that. So that tells you prayer is very important. Alright? Now the part of prayer we are looking at is a prayer of intercession. We are going to continue with these words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We said there are different kinds of prayer. I'm reviewing the things we said before now. I just wanted to read this to start. We have already seen that when we say prayer of faith, it's not a type of prayer. We understand that. What is prayer of faith? It's a quality of true prayer. All Genuine prayers, all genuine, true prayers are prayers of faith. We used to think that there's prayer of faith and then there's prayer of intercession. There's nothing like that. The true prayer of intercession must be what? Must be what? A prayer of faith. Again, there are things that I call accessory to prayer. They are not types of prayer. We used to say there's a prayer of agreement. No, you are making petition or you are making what? Intercession. But when you do it, when it concerns more than a person, you must be in agreement with the consent parties to make your request. So I call that an accessory to prayer. Agreement, therefore, is an accessory to prayer. 
we used to say there is a prayer of agreement. Listen, you can be in agreement to make intercession for somebody. Do you get my point? You can be, like now, as a church, we must be in agreement to make prayers for the nation. So it's not as if we are praying a prayer of agreement for this country. But because we are believers, we must be in agreement. Let me come back to it again. The major problem we have a lot of times in our country is that we believers are not in agreement with one another. And you cannot be in agreement with one another except you are individually in agreement with God. I hope you're getting my point. If you and I agree and we disagree with God, it's useless agreement. That agreement will cause our tongue to be scattered. God will come and spoil our works. So first of all, we must be in agreement with God and then we must be in agreement with one another. So agreement is an accessory to prayer. All right? But when we're talking about different types of prayer, we started with the type of prayer, which is what? Prayer of worship. I'd like to go over these things again and again. And there are three components or three subtypes of the prayer of, uh, of um, worship. Give them to me, number one. Ah, number one? Praise. Number two? Number three? So praise, thanksgiving, consecration. In which we are bringing an offering before God when we approach his throne, we do not come empty-handed. Now, last time we began to look at the issue of the prayer of intercession, and that's why we are continuing on today. And we made a number of points. I tried to look at the points we made. And just writing the points that they were... I saw that number 21. Little points I want to just remind us of. Okay, I won't spend a lot of time, all right? But we're not counting now. So, I've said, okay, I've already mentioned a number of things we said. So, what is intercession, therefore? We have seen intercession is when... We take a matter up, not your own personal issue. It's not I'm hungry, I'm sick. God supplies my need. No, it's God supply his need. God supply her need. Or God help the nation. God, I'm praying for the church. Like what Jesus was doing here. We will say he was interceding for the people. That's the prayer of intercession. All right? Now, where we, of course, we said a lot of things. That the main thing that Jesus came to do was actually to obtain the right to intercede for us. Those kind of prayers that he prayed could not have been prayed for help from heaven. It, it could only have been prayed by somebody who is touched, like the Bible says, with the feeling of our infirmities. We, he, he must experience what we are experiencing. Without it, no matter how good the heart is, all right, no matter how good the heart is, it cannot have that kind of power in his request if he doesn't understand. Do you follow what I'm trying to say here? It, it, it's almost impossible. To make effective prayer concerning what you don't get. If you have never been sick, it's hard for you to pray for somebody who is sick. As a matter of fact. Because you may not be touched. You won't understand what the fellow is going through. The Holy Spirit helped me with something some time ago. I woke up one night and my stomach was hurting very, very badly. Now, it was quite, it was, it was distressful really. Alright? I I couldn't go back to sleep. I was tossing up and down. I don't know what caused the, the pain. I prayed about it so that I could go back to sleep. Of course, it didn't just disappear instantly. I, I, mean, I was pacing up and down, just thinking about And there's something about feeling sick when everywhere is dark. It's very close to hellfire. <laughs> Some people ask me about, uh, is there hell, a fire in hell? I said, bros, I don't care about the fire. If your stomach is hurting and it's night, and you don't want to disturb anybody, and everywhere is dark, you will know what they call hair fire that day. It's very painful. It's, 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 you know what they call torment? Yeah, that's what it is. 
So I was going through that, but of course, the stomach pain was not that bad, really. But I just knew I was, I was feeling very bad, okay? And I was just uncomfortable. Then something dawned on me. And I said, Lord, wait. See, this is funny. I, and I can't remember what exactly caused the pain, but I knew this pain would go. Something, I just knew this pain would go away. And there, this pain won't last an hour. After a while, it will go. And I will be fine. And I will sleep. I just had assurance. Now, you may say, is it by faith we are speaking? All join. I hope I get my point. I didn't think there was something serious wrong. Maybe it was something I ate that wasn't good or something. I don't know. But this is where I'm going. They now dawned on me. I said, Banky, do you know there are people who this pain you're talking about now is not planning to go anywhere? They know. The doctor knows. And they are like that day and night. Like Job said, at day, they wish it was night. At night, they start wishing for day. Because the pain will not go away. There are times that you know the only thing the doctor can do? Just knock the person out with what they call heavy painkillers. It's heavy sleep givers. You kill the pain, knock the person senseless. The person is not awake. Everything is fuzzy. That's the only way he can have comfort. That's the only way she can have some respite. And these are things I see almost every day. So that night, you know what I did? I forgot my trouble. And I turned my attention to people like that. I didn't have anybody in mind. But I just knew, I mean, because of the natural job I do, I knew. So I started praying. I spent all my time praying. I prayed and prayed and prayed until I fell asleep. I just took my mind off my own trouble. I prayed until I fell asleep. I woke up in the morning. I was fine. Just like I knew I would be. I woke up and I was fine. Now I'm talking about, you know, being touched with people's infirmities. I used to say when I was um, a younger Christian, a younger Bible teacher, Jesus never sinned, amen? Did he sin? No, sir. The Bible said it clearly, right? Yes, sir. We can't say anything around it. But we used to say that Jesus never fell sick. And I believed that thing for a very long time. I don't say that now anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't say that anymore. I, you, say, you think Jesus fell sick? Yes. I think there were nice migraine headache woke him up. Oh, yes. I'm convinced. In fact, <laughs> um, Candice Tatum has an album like that. She said there were nights he couldn't fall asleep. Saying, just like you, he wept. Yeah. He said he knew how to be sad too. I don't know if people know that uh, song. Mm-hmm. It heals every little hit. I can't remember it now, right? That's part of the rhythm. He understands every little thing you do. He cares. He really, really cares for you. That's part of the line, all right? The woman explained it. He said there were nights he couldn't fall asleep, and just like you, he wept. As a more senior Christian, I realized, I don't know, that thing we used to say is not true. It wasn't like God wasn't defining his good, his divine nature. He was showing him what people were passing through. I hope you're getting my point. He was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Yeah, he was. I believe that one way or the other, God made it so that every pain, it wasn't just on the cross. His whole life was preparation for that cross. I hope you're getting my point. His whole life was preparation for the cross. You know, he was well prepared there for Judas's betrayer, but it was still betrayer. Judas betrayed him. What about Peter? He prepared for Judas. Peter ran away. 
he already told Peter, you denied me three times. Yes, but that thing was paining him. <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. Okay, what about John? John too ran away. Everybody disappeared and left only him. Do you think he didn't feel it? He did. So there is no heartbreak you have felt that you didn't feel. And I wanted to understand another thing. Hmm? As at now, many people won't believe this, but it's the truth. You're still feeling them too. You're not getting my point. As at now, as at today, what I mean is that if Look, I don't mean you went crazy, said to be breaking your heart over nothing. I mean genuine heartbreak. Genuine. <laughs> you know, there are some stupid things. People will just tell you, just look like, look, Jesus not get your time. You know, that kind of. <laughs> you know, you go and invest your money in Ponzi scheme. <laughs> this is now collapsing. I don't think Jesus has time to waste to be feeling sorry for you. Because you say that, but Banky warned you since that time. Why didn't you listen to him? But I'm talking about genuine troubles that you may have as at now. Any day you feel it, you can, be, you can be sure of one thing. He's feeling exactly what you are feeling at that same moment. When he's praying up there in heaven, you think it's a joke? He literally is walking all the time. He ever lives to make intercession. I'm explaining the fact that he needed to be touched with the feeling of our infirmities for him to be an effective high priest. It's a principle of life. Like we discussed last time, God created us in families is part of our family. We are part of his family. So he can pray effectively for us. He feels the pain that we feel. The emphasis is the responsibility the, the that we, you and I have, not him now. I'm just giving us an example. The emphasis is the work that he has given you and me to do. We said, no, I was trying to emphasize. If we do this work effectively, believe me, we will see results in our lives. Last time I said, we are tied to families, there's a reason for it. We are tied to one another, there's a reason for it. The reason is so that when somebody is, is tired, when somebody is afflicted, when somebody is heavy laden, the rest of us can come and carry the person's burdens. And I'm talking about in the realm of prayer now. It is not possible on this earth for you to su- su- succeed on your own. See? Let me tell you, if nobody is praying for you, you will die young and you will die a heavy failure. I don't know what I heard what I said. No, you didn't hear me well. Because if you heard you, you will have been afraid. <laughs> I'll say it again. If nobody is praying for you actively, you will die young and you will die a heavy failure. Satan will, will crush you. And why am I saying it? You, read your Bible. Paul will be asking that you pray for us. Do you know who Paul was? You don't get the point. Paul was not converted the way you were converted. You, one old evangelist came to your neighborhood and preached to you and you believed. Or your friend believed, preached to you, you believed. Paul was, it wasn't like that. Jesus preached to Paul by himself. It was on, he was persecuted. Jesus came and said, why are you persecuting me? He sought the Lord before he gave his life to Christ. As soon as he gave his life to Christ, first he started experiencing miracles. Here and there. And I prayed for him. Scale, because he had been blind for some time. Scales fell from his eyes and received the Holy Spirit on the spot. He was baptized. Let me tell you something about Paul. The way he understood scripture was not the way most of us did. We read the Bible. He also read his own scrolls. He did. But Jesus used to visit him because he said, I have, he told Ananias, I told him I will appear to him. No, Jesus used to appear to Paul again and again. He told him the things that happened. I don't want to sit too much on that. But to bring out the fact that a man that has such an experience 
we still write and say, please pray for us. Pray for me. So I can preach as I ought to. Pray that will be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. Brethren, you know what I found out? James said, let's go back there. It's very important. That's James chapter 5, verse 16. Everybody read it out. Are you there? One, two, let's go. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. And do what? So that you may be healed. Let's just stop there. Did you notice what he said? Pray for one another was important to James. That the reason why we are sick is that we are not praying for one another. I hope you are getting my point. See, my desire as yesterday, that's last time and this message to this one, talking on intercession. My desire is that at the end of this, <laughs> whether did my wife disappear, of course she does that a lot. I woke up during the night, didn't know where she went to. So I knew she had another part of the house. Later on we were talking about it. She said, I spent one hour praying. I only finished one class. You don't get the point. That the number of people I had to pray for. I have six classes to do. I finished one hour that night. That time I left the room. And I'm only, I'm only done with one. I said, very good. We are learning a good habit. All of us must learn it. All of us must learn it. Now, now let me just quickly get back to that. Praying for one another. Praying for the issues of life. Praying for... People that God attached you to is a primary responsibility of prayer that you have. It's not luxury. It's not if I have the time. You will be test, you will be, pardon me to use the word. Okay. You will be asked to give account. I hope you're getting my point. You will be asked to give account. That okay, you have brothers, you have sisters. How many of them did you pray for? The time one of them was having problems with her husband, what were you saying? This is, all you, uh, this is what you normally do. Since we're young, that girl, her mouth, now you go kill him. I always knew, since we're small, that she can't keep her. Ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch-ch. She's sweet now. I mean, I don't get time. And God said, if you, her sister, is talking like this, then who is praying? The neighbors are not praying, you know that. They don't, they don't even like them. They used to park their car anyhow. She particularly, nobody likes me, just by the way. Please, don't make yourself in such a manner that nobody likes you. So if they die, everybody's happy. They don't die. Say, eh, one day one man dies. Somebody come and say, eh, he too died. Okay. Oh, oh, so he too can die. Rejoicing. I said, ah, madam, take it easy. I said, no, now, she being too, don't die now. It is now other people go die, you no know, go die. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This really happened. The person laughed. Called me. See, I, I heard that some person is dead. I said, yes, Nassau. He laughed. He said, so he too can die. Don't live like that. Now, there are people who will unjustly think about you like that, I know. But let it never be just. Okay. I hope you're getting my point. Like I say, you know, you live in a block of flats. Those new heaven flats. <laughs> you know what I mean? At night, parking... You know what I mean? Everybody has to pack. Then you pack, you live on the top floor, you park your car near the gate, then you went to drink, then you put on music, and you now say your phone died. And you didn't leave your key anywhere. They woke up in the morning, everybody wants to go out. 
They have been at your door knocking. All they are hearing was boo boo ka, boo boo ka, boo boo ka. The music you put in the sitting room, they can't hear. And then you now come and say, oh, sorry, my phone died. It happened once, not a problem. But it has happened a second time. It's a third time. One day they will tow your motor in Jesus' name. They shoot, they shoot. So that one day, and you, you, of course your gearbox is spoiling the process. You know? So that you will learn it less. It's wickedness. If you know you are that kind of person, leave a key with the most responsible neighbor downstairs. Say, bros, I beg. You know the way I sleep. I sleep as if I die at night and I will resurrect in the morning. If they are calling me, please, this is my key. Help me move the car. Now, those are the little, little things you do in life that show that you're a responsible person and you care about other people. What I'm saying so is this. It's important that people pray for you. It's important and don't be ashamed to tell people, please pray for me. Oh. And what I'm doing now is telling every Christian, pray for one another. Pray for one another. The, the primary assignment of prayer God gave us is so that we will intercede, not just coming to him, asking for our own problems to be solved all the time. That we bring other issues that are not primarily ours to him in prayer. Because he, you know I said, Paul, with everything he had, in understanding. Yet he will be writing letters and remember to add the word. Pray for us. Pray for me. Pray for us. Pray for me. Please, I hope you are getting my point. When the last time, okay, somewhere, that's the point I'm trying to continue from. Remember I said, we took this show of prophets. Remember what I said about prophets? What are prophets? Well, you define them anyway. But most people look at prophets as if they are, they are seers. Once the election is coming, who is going to win? All the prophetic channels on, on YouTube. You've checked all of them so that they will tell you how to vote. Now, just another point. Prophets can tell you how to vote. Doesn't mean the person will win. You know, remember what this man said? Emmanuel Kuri. This last election, you know, we had three front runners. Okay, let's just add the fourth man so that he won't be angry with us. All right? He said, this particular man is my favorite. The Holy Spirit said I should vote for the next person. And then the third person won. <laughs> you know that's what happened now? No, you know, the, he, he came to the church. He said his favorite candidate is Peter Obi. The whole church scattered. Hey, hey, hey. He said, wait, the Holy Spirit said I should vote for Atiku. Ah, didn't you hear it? He said it on YouTube. Yeah, he said it openly. He said, this is how God has led me all my life. The same God has led me, said to me, vote for Abubakar Atiku. And neither Peter Obi nor Atiku won. And the man didn't, the man didn't say they would win, no. Said, this is my favorite candidate. This is the one Holy Spirit shall you vote for. And this is the one that won. And everything balanced. Everybody got his portion. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we said, the job of prophets is not to be a seer. Their primary job is what? Is what? No, 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 no. I, I said something else. To warn, thank you. Their primary job is to warn and to correct. But the main job they have also Beside that is what? Intercession. We've seen that from scripture. We'll give a number of examples. Let's go over them again. One, Samuel. Samuel said to Israel, God forbid I should sin against him in season to pray for you. So it was, why did he say sin? It was his job. So if he neglects to do it, it will be a sin. We looked at him man Jeremiah also. Who said, I, I, God, you know I will stand before you, begging you so you may turn your wrath away from these people. We read that from Jeremiah chapter 18. They went to Amos. God will show Amos a vision. And Amos will say, uh-uh. 
God, what are you trying to do? You want to destroy everything? Please now. Israel cannot survive. She's so small. And God said, fine, this will not be. We'll go on again. We'll look at the man like Moses. Many times, God wants to do something. And he will tell Moses, Moses will intercede. Abraham was called a prophet. Do you remember? Yeah, God told Abimelech, you took the wife of a prophet. Yeah, one of the things we knew Abraham for was that he stood and interceded for Solomon and Gomorrah. His connection was Lot and his family that were there. So prophets, that's our assignment. Not to say, you know, I see the Lot on TV. Do you say all that kind of joke, please? I, you know, anytime I'm preaching, I know a lot of preachers listen to me, so I, I add some things. In fact, there are so many preachers in front here alone, so I don't even need to... Not the ones I just removed. There are so many preachers here. All right? Some preachers, they want to show that they are genuine preacher, uh, prophets. Uh, Papa saw the earthquake that happened last year. Papa saw that all these vehicles will have accidents and people will die. Papa, and then they will not be putting the clips like that on, tele, on their channel to show that the man is a genuine prophet. You know the truth? You are, it doesn't mean you are a genuine prophet. Anybody who, has, who can practice shamanism will see some of those things. Uh, no, you see, things that happen physically, they happen spiritually first. And there's a way you can dig yourself by force to go and see them ahead. It doesn't make you a prophet. It just means you're a peeping, you know, just a peeping, you just go around peeping. Just peep, sprays that peep and mortar, you know, things like that. Just go around, what is going on? And many of the things you see, all right, they'll just make you go crazy one day. A real prophet will see some things and you distress him. If you distress her, for that reason, a real prophet will get on his knees, and that's it. He's not eating again. He's not drinking. Why? The distress is intense. And he's saying to God, this should not be. And many times, like we've seen from scriptures, God will say, because you asked, then I will not do it. And the other times, God will say, I'm sorry. Ask or no ask, this has to be. Why? It's overflowing with righteousness. I want them again and again. You are seeing this now, but this is their tenth warning. It's okay, you are praying for them. Go and warn them whether they will listen. If they will listen, I will hear you. And then prof, uh, Jeremiah will be there crying each time he's prophesying. Because Jeremiah's prophetic office was interesting. Because he prophesied at a time where there was no remedy. Most of the prophecies you read, there was no remedy. And it's in the Bible like that. He said, he sent to prophets to them again and again. He warned them until there was no remedy. When Jeremiah came on board, it was too late. Even then, you know what he was doing? He was giving them the techniques that God gave him by which they could preserve their lives. So the Babylonians are coming. You know what he will do? Just go and surrender, JJ. Cooperate with the exile. How can you tell soldiers to just get up and go and surrender? He said, if you don't, you will die. And if you know what Nebuchadnezzar did to that king, this is Zedekiah. It wasn't funny. When they captured him, he brought out all his children and killed them in front of him. After that, he put out his eyes. Gushed out both eyes. So the last thing he saw was his children being slaughtered. And he tossed him into a prison in his palace. And then he stayed there till he died. So I'm going to say, where was God? Ah, God wanted God want his father, want his grandfather. Had been wanting everybody, want him. Jeremiah begged him. Jeremiah went to him and begged, oh God, please. This is what God is saying. God said that if you will just surrender to this man, I'm taking all these people into exile. Just surrender. You will be fine. 
The man refused. But our emphasis is the fact that Jeremiah interceded. He interceded. But at his own point, all right, it was now too late for the people. So God said to him, it's too late. Even if you like, go and call Moses and Samuel. I still will not listen. But let's bear it in mind. He never gave up intercession. Even after all the troubles had come, go and read the uh, Lamentations of Jeremiah. The Lamentations again was still on the same thing. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. This is where we now ended it last time, which is where, what I'm trying to drive to. This assignment is what God has given every single one of us. Any job he gives you. Now, sometimes we do something. You are going out in ministry, maybe you are going to start a branch of a church. Some churches do it. They say the first thing you do is pray for like five months or three months before you can start. Now, it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's bad. It's a very good thing. It's excellent. But I want to remind everybody. When I say your first job is to pray, I don't mean what you pray to start and then you are finished. No. I mean whatever assignment God has given you, the primary job in that assignment is what? It's prayer. Any title you bear in this life, any title you bear, for example, you bear the title teacher, the primary assignment is the people you are teaching, you are supposed to be praying for them. Not just to be instructing them. Instruction is number two. The first one is what? Prayer. Give me another title. Would be a citizen. You're a citizen of Nigeria. When JFK said, do not ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. God already told you already. God told you already. What are you supposed to do for your country? The first thing you do for your country is what? You pray. Now, please let me pause there again and remind us of the opposite of prayer is what? Accusation. And you must understand, the Bible says that we are to yield our members as instruments of righteousness. Listen to me, Satan also has a contrary word. He wants to snatch your members as instruments of unrighteousness. The reason why people participate in accusation, they always have a Now, first, there are two reasons. I'll talk about the second one mostly. But the, second, the, the less important reason is just a bad habit. You know, people tend to congregate no, they thrive in insulting the country. Have you noticed it? You've not noticed it? It's like it's, it's trendy. You know, like you sit amongst your friends. You have to tell them what is wrong with somebody. You just have to sit down and say, this country is useless. Can't you see? Every, every doctor has gone abroad. Why won't they go abroad? The way you treat them in this country. Like I was, I was driving down with my son just now. He said that they said that... Um, Doctors are not well paid in Nigeria. I said, are they the only ones working in this country? <laughs> no, when I hear that nonsense, it annoys me. You are not well paid in Nigeria. Is the engineer well paid? <laughs> Apart from the senators, who else is well paid in Nigeria? <laughs> Why are you making look look like the only doctors are poorly paid? Everybody is in quote. And by the way, the doctors relative to the society they are in, they are well paid. How come I insult my intelligence? You go and take Saudi money, convert it to naira. I say, this is all your maids are earning. Let me not start, because I have a message to preach this evening. I call this arrogance and pride. It's nonsense. Everybody is badly paid. Everybody. University lecturer is badly paid. Policeman is badly paid. The only person that's well paid is the senator and the House of Rep member. Even House of Assembly member, nothing. All this feedback manager, there's nothing, nothing. I know how much they pay them. They don't give them anything. I'm telling you, if you know what this said, uh, all this would be called a special assistant. The money is not special. 
Now I'm telling you, yes, someone say commission. <laughs> I went to preach one day, I went to preach somewhere. So there was a particular time we were talking, like they had a kind of talk show. So I asked him, the fellow sitting beside me was a commission that they gave you my how much are they paying you? You have to tell us openly. I won't tell you now. It wasn't bad, it wasn't fantastic. That's the kind of thing that uh, Hush Papa used to pay his driver in Dubai. Hush Papa is a thief, we know, but I'm not saying that. <laughs> but yeah, somebody used it to brag, you know. It, that was, it was a bragging thing. They were paying this government. That guy is a commissioner in an oil producing state. Yes. Oil producing. And the right next was a local government chairperson, a retired one, a woman. How much? They, he told us the money wasn't fantastic. Somebody should come and tell me that uh, everybody is poorly paid. Amen? Amen. <laughs> the Lord is good. Why did I get to that one now? Now, I forgot. I, I don't know how I got to that now. Yes, thank you. I can say thank you. God bless you very much. So, people be complaining every time. You sit down, insult everything. And then after a while, we turn into a habit. So once you sit down to talk about the nation, it's everything that is wrong that we talk about. That's a bad habit. But the second part of it is that sometimes things actually happen that are annoying. Do you get my point? You actually see what appears as if the government is doing what is wrong. Not only the government, even you know the citizens are as bad as the government. You know that. Uh-huh. They are the ones that became the government. Uh, you don't know that? It's the same people that were citizens four years ago that became government now. That's just the way it works. So you see a lot of things happening. And they, they tempt you. They tempt you. That's what I'm making. They tempt you to become an accuser. And that's one caution I want to give believers. We have an assignment. The assignment is intercession. You cannot do both. You cannot be an intercessor and be an accuser at the same time. You just have to make up your mind, which one am I? Every title you bear in life, the primary job is what? Intercession. I just give an example, citizen. So as a citizen, what do you do? You make entreaties for the government. You make entreaties for the land. You ask God for mercy. It is clear. We have two beautiful scriptures there to tell us, to, t- to show that one to us. Jeremiah told them, God is taking you into exile. You understand? What do you do? Pray for the land in which God is going to establish you as exiles. Seek the good of the land. Entreat the Lord for his sake. He said, in his prosperity, you will have prosperity. In his peace, you will have peace. You are going to be there for a long time. That's what God told them through Jeremiah. That's the assignment. Then the Paul was not writing to Timothy. He said, first of all, let entreaties, prayers with thanksgiving be made for all men, for kings and those who are in authority, so we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness before God, who desires for all men to be saved. And comes the knowledge of the truth. That is, is what we are supposed to pray for our country is, is, is already covered. You pray for the head of state. Now, whether you like it or not, I'll say this until everybody believes it. Every president you have was chosen by God. I will not get into negotiating or discussing with you on whether you have approved the electoral process or you don't. Should the electoral process even happened? When it was even coup plotting, it was chosen by God. When the one commonly killed the one before him, I hope you know that he was also chosen by God. Listen, the cho- that God chose you is not in any way linked to how you arrive. <laughs> 
People don't read the Bible. That's their problem. Go and read the story of the kings of Israel and of Judah. That was why, now, how you arrive is, ju- is judged by God. Though. I'm just saying it, is not, it does not indicate whether you are chosen or you are not chosen. Because if you are not chosen, no matter what much you try to arrive, you will never arrive. There are those who went the legal proper way, properly. But God says it's not you. They say, I'm going. Okay, enter now. The day they say, I swear, they collapsed. When God appointed Saul, um, 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 David to replace Saul, one of the instructions, because before I used to wonder, was later on and I understood, you will know that Samuel and Saul remain in contact. Samuel and David remain in contact. And much of the training of David was given to him by Samuel, I believe, even though it's not written openly like that in scripture, but you see at the time he ran, he ran to go and meet Samuel. So that tells me that they were in contact. That was where Saul came to look for him, and the spirit fell upon Saul, and you hear his Saul also amongst the prophets, all right? So one of the instructions I believe that Samuel gave to David was that for your kingdom to be established, you must have no hand in the death of Saul. David will have mounted his throne whether he kills Saul or not. But for his kingdom to be established, for him to endure on the throne that he was going to mount, all right? Samuel said to him clearly, you must have no hand in the death of Saul. He said, why? He said, because he's the Lord's anointed. He said, you can't stretch forth your hand at the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Let me see some of the Christians, they don't understand. If you have ever insulted President Muhammad Buhari, you can't be guiltless. It's not possible. There's forgiveness for you, but don't let it pass as if nothing happened. You will not be guiltless. I feel sorry for many of the pastors that do what they do. You know, my job is to tell you the truth. If you like, throw it away. Good enough. I'm not saying this because of a bragging, um, because I'm, um, I'm trying to feel good. It's just a matter of fact. I didn't even vote for him too. Just like you. Just like so this last election. That was why I did what I did. There were only three, four people that had any chance, naturally speaking, of coming close to, no, of smelling the, smelling winning. This last election, they were NMPP, Labour Party, APC, and PDP, right? For that reason, I made up my mind I will not vote for any of the four. My personal preference was irrelevant. I didn't want to mistakenly vote for somebody who's going to win. But when they finish winning, now, if you want to talk tomorrow now, it'll be like, now you now vote for them. When I started, all the people I used to vote for, they used to lose all. It has been good for my ministry. That's what I'm making. It's been very, very good for my ministry. So I can brag. When, now, when President Buhari was running for office, the reason why I didn't vote for him is my personal reason. When I make it, people thought I did, actually. Funny enough, people are always thinking I did what I did not do. Because I think my, my word is prophetic. <laughs> so when I'm preaching, they see, the, <laughs> they see who will win. They say, oh, this person, person, person is pre-. No, but it's not true. First time I voted for... Who did you run again? Good luck, Jonathan. Yeah, I did. I had my reasons. Next one, I voted for Atiku and Peter Bino. That was running mate. I had my reason also. But both times, he, he defeated the people I voted for, according to the will of God. I never, for one moment, stretched forth my hand against the Lord's anointed. There are people who sit down every day. They want to prove to you it's not the Lord's anointed. Is your pro- now, let me just say something in case you don't know. You are very wrong. 
You are absolutely wrong. You cannot mount the throne, stay there for eight years, and not the Lord's anointed. It's not possible. It is absolutely not possible. It is absolutely now your your disagreeing is just your flesh. I will tell you, it's your flesh. And your flesh has been riled up now in recent times. I know. Christians have, Christians have been confessing to me left, right. You, you know, Christians have done a lot of evil. Or some of them, they about four, I can see them all over here. One of them has BABA sitting somewhere towards the back. His shirt is striped. They will be in one party, campaign for another party. Those are ungodly. <laughs> it's called unfaithfulness. Disloyalty. Anti-party activities. I saw them. They were campaigning for PDP vote for Abga. Where is that one? It's not around. They will be members of PDP. They will vote for Labour Party. Anti-party activities. May the Lord forgive all of you in Jesus' name. Say amen, my guy. I hope you said amen because you need you need that more. They were all anti. <laughs> you know, the Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. I don't know how some people were planning to win that election. The house was shredded against itself. The Lord is good. This guy looks shocked. <laughs> Something we are saying. Let's say this guy. Are you working in this place? <laughs> oh. Now, the point I'm making is that you can't stretch your hands against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. So, what, you, what do you do? There's forgiveness. That's what I'm going to say. There's forgiveness. See, all of you that I just spoke about, you acted in ignorance. So, on behalf of the Lord, you are forgiven. Amen. You, you are forgiven. <laughs> all of you, even me, I am forgiven. I'm not in any member. Was I in any party? Did somebody say yes or somewhere? It <laughs> <laughs> don't shift. Maybe not. Maybe not. The Lord is good. Oh. I said the Lord is good. Now, what I'm going to say is this. People of God, you can't stretch your hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Samuel gave that instruction to David. And David held on to it tightly. And twice he was tempted. Now let me explain something to you. Some of, you, some of us who feel so self-righteous when we are doing some iniquity that we are involved in. We don't realize we have not even been tempted like those men were tempted. The Bible says you have not resisted sin to the shedding of your own blood. blood. You, have, you have not. David, that was where he had to resist to. Twice, God arranged. So let's see whether this boy heard the things that Samuel taught him. Because when you trust in the Lord thy God, you will be established. Then you obeyed the word from the mouth of his prophets. That's when you will prosper. I hope you're getting my point. And I'm telling many people, you want to prosper in this country, better believe what I'm saying and obey what I'm telling you. Samuel had instructed David, don't touch Saul for any reason. This guy will be trying to kill David. The only thing David wanted to do was to escape 
So twice God packaged Saul and gave to David. Did you hear what my prophet said? And to even make it worse, his men said, we'll be the one to kill him, not you. You just authorize us. The temptation was strong. You could have said that, no, you guys do anything you like. My hand, no deal. And he walked away. And those guys would have killed Saul well. They would kill him properly. You know, like, he even told him. He said, oh, God, just once. I won't strike him twice. Just one time. That he won't make any sound. His men would not know he's dead. Now, for your information, they were very good. They could do it. Those boys could do it. But David said, no, you can't stretch forth your hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. Now, I, I want you to bear in mind, this was a man trying to kill him. What has any head of state done against you directly? Doesn't even know you. He has never had you arrested. This one will send a battalion of soldiers to go and hunt one man down. Yet the same man said, I can't touch him. If I touch him, I won't be guiltless. Are you getting my point here? So what excuse do we have? But it's just a bad habit. You know, we grew up thinking that your duty as a citizen is to insult your seniors. When I see the way some people talk about President Buhari sometimes, I say, do you realize this guy is older than your father? Let's forget that he's the head of state. If na age is older than your, your earthly father, can't even respect the fact that he is not your father's age mate. So many of us don't even realize it. Age alone, just show respect. Some of the insults some people heaped on the president-elect during the campaign. I said, you have no regard for humanity. And I'm not talking about whether he's a, president, a presidential candidate or not. There are things you don't even say about a man. I remember that. I was not that a very funny Kitty governor. He took full-page adverts to prove to us Buari would die in office. I said, this man, where is your culture? I mean, where did he disappear to? I mean, like, why would you do this? It's politics. You can tell us everything. Why do you have to mock a man? The way I was brought up, you don't use health challenges to mock anybody. How can? And he took full page advice to tell us the man is sick, he's going to die. And then, next, of course, you know, God is very funny. But what, what, looking at all of us, eight years later, he was so healthy, we said he has been swapped. We said he can't be the one. It's called the glory of God, in case you do not know. You can't stretch forth your hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless. I give the Lord praise, especially when it comes to the president of Nigeria. He taught me this thing over 30 years ago. For more than 33 years, I've operated it. And I started it when military was in power. When I learned this truth, Babangida was still our head of state. I sustained it throughout Shonekon's period, Abacha's period, Absalami's period, Obasanjo's period, um, Yaradua, Jonathan, Buhari. It's not about my personal desire. It's not my personal feeling. It's the word of God, the instruction he gave us as a church. If you're a citizen, you're an intercessor. Please don't get into this nonsense that people have been teaching us. David, Saul, you know, you've seen all those things. Is there David? In every phase of life, there's a Saul and there's a David. One thing I know that none of these prophets know who is David. In fact, you know what I found out? Almost every time they pick a David, the David is a Saul. You know why? It's simple. It's in scripture. Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. They use their own assessment and judgment to decide who is David. The person is a Saul. Because the real David is very unlikely. The real David was anointed as a boy. The real David, when David was anointed, 
People have estimated his age to be as low as seven. I normally put around 12. And that 12 is just because my own, I just assumed that how can it be seven? He was alone with the sheep. But your sinful neighbor is alone with the cow. He could have been seven. The point I'm making is David's are unlikely. So by the time you see a man that's likely and you call him David, I know you have missed it. It's another saw. Anyone that looks like it is a saw. The ones that, see, the stone that the builders rejected, there's a principle behind that thing. There's a principle. Sometimes I see the church doing that, I just say, look, once you people guys say, come on, anybody you, that looks likely in your eye is not David. So you don't know who David is, do you know? You don't know who Saul is, do you know? But David or Saul, once he's the king, please serve, serve the Lord. Do the will of God. Pray for him. That is the job of a citizen. That's the point I'm making. You pray for the country. You wish the country well. Not just pray. You know what they call good wishes. Invest your money there. Not praying for a country and investing in Ghana. That prayer, God doesn't even accept it. He said, who prayed that prayer? He says, uh, give me a name. Eh? No, I want a Nigerian name. Hmm? Ajale Kogo. Okay, Ajale Kogo. Chinos. Chinos or whatever. He said, who prayed that prayer? He wants to mention that name. God said, cancel it. Say why? He was praying. His investment is in Ghana. Say, I won't listen. It's called wish faith. WF Kumi used to say, faith takes, takes risks. English can twist somebody's mouth. Faith risks. That's how he said it. It takes a risk. Faith will take a risk. You pray for the land, invest in the land. When you hear that they, are, they, are, they, are, they want to sell land somewhere for development, if you have the money, buy. Some say we don't know where, where, where this country is coming to. I heard something recently. I just said, this is foolishness. Some, one of our sisters told me that your guy at work, high-level professional, sold a house to pay Canadian school fees for children. I will say something in Yoruba. Write it down. Go and find out. You sell your house to pay school fees in Canada for your children. What's wrong with you? Common sense should have withdrawn those children and send them to Covenant University, Babcock University, Articles University. There's the, what, the American University, the one in Yola. Yes, now these are good schools. These are good schools. Affirmative Allah is there. There are schools all over the place. Ah, there are good schools. You don't have to, if you want a foreign schools, they are there in this country. If it's big money you want to pay, go and pay Nile University. When Nile charges you, you start vibrating. Yeah, there's a university called Nile. This will be the Turkish University. Yeah. If it's big money you want to pay, ah, what is his name? He has university too now. But, but that's Baba Ahmed. You don't have to sell your house. When you are praying for the land, you invest in, that's what I'm making. Take a risk. You say, what if I lose my money? It's called money. It's not your life. It's not just money. Where you are going, you won't lose your money. People lose money all over the place. Please, I'm talking about intercessors. Please, let me not sit on citizens alone. You are a doctor. You have a clinic. The clinic was not given to you to make money. Now, let me say something to you. What makes the difference between a Christian business, which makes Christian businesses as a rule, they are ministries. Did you hear what I said? You didn't hear it well. What did I say? As a rule, as a rule, there are ministries. As a rule. What makes it a Christian business that you see it as a mission? 
Profit is not number one. You are a doctor, you have a private hospital. That's the point I'm making. There are three things you must pray about on a regular basis. You will pray for people who come to you, most likely they are sick. Or they are confused as to whether they are sick or they are not. I hope you're getting my point. You should be on your knees, literal knees. I found that Paul said, for this cause, I bow my knees. Literally, come early, kneel in front of the premises. Pray for every sick person that will walk through those doors. Pray that they will find health and they will meet the Lord, who is the true healer. Did you hear what I said? Every Christian business is, first of all, a ministry. First person you pray, I just give Doc as an example. You pray for the patient that will come through. Some people, all they do, once the patient is coming, all they are saying, money. If you are like that, you are a wicked soul. If you are like that, you are a wicked soul. It, once you see, look, 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 look. The, the, anybody coming to you is somebody that you are to minister to. Do you get my point? Ministry comes in different levels. But let's use this health as an example. The most important thing to you at that point is that this fellow is ministered to on two levels. Physically and spiritually. In fact, the way CDM, C, is it CDM or CMDA? CMDA, the way they say it is that we care for the total man. You care spirit, soul, and body. Sometimes ethics will not allow you pre, uh, preach to a patient. You, know, you understand that? But let me tell you, ethics will not stop you from praying for that patient. Did I say go and lay hands? There's a story I've told, I think it's one of my books. But I've not told the story in a while. I served in Taraba State with Nigeria Army, 3rd Mechanized Battalion. I was the, of course, I was the, I met one young doctor there, six months ahead of me, left while I was still there. The battalion medical officer was in Liberia. So at the point in time, of course, we used to have patients. We're young now, for your information. I mean no insult. After spending six years in school, as a medical student, you've graduated as a medical doctor, right? You know nothing. That certificate, the judge is to prove to you your head is empty, but now you can learn. That's not a joke. It's the, I, I know the job well. Now, this is going to make you laugh. Some people will call me and say, so I say the doctor says, I say, how old is the doctor? I always ask them, how old is the doctor? <laughs> when they tell me, I say, okay. You know, the reason that the job is, the human body is very complicated, extremely. Six years to teach, in fact, five years, because the first year you are learning physiology, anatomy. No, you are not learning anatomy. You are learning biology, chemistry, and physics. So, five years. They spend the first two years, year and a half, teaching you what the normal person is like. Then the rest of the time, teaching you how to take care of all kinds of ailments. I can assure you, at the end of the training, they've just given you a license to learn. They have built a good template for you to go and learn. That's why in countries like America, you don't touch anybody. Once you finish medical school, you don't do it. Lie, lie. It's in Nigeria because of the history of uh, backwardness that, you know, they train anybody to do anything. So you wake up and do six years. Now, you can, if you like, you can raise the dead. You can kill people. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but where things are developed, no, they don't let you. You have to get a job where you work under supervision. You have like four years to now learn properly. Now, I'm telling you this story to let you know, in Nigeria, we have this old system. I finished it a one year of house job, housemanship, and went off for NYC. So as a youth copper, I had the patient. Okay, we, we tried our best, the little we could, went inside the bush. 
We didn't have much, but we did the best we could, all right? More experienced people could do better. But this particular day, I had this patient. He came from my family. I used to pray. <laughs> I used to pray. One reason why I stopped working in the clinics, all right, was there was a time I told people who were with me, who knew me, where I said that the grace I used to carry my work has finished. So I stopped working in clinic where I needed to see patients and all of that. I faced my residency full time and started preparing for my ministry. Then, <laughs> to give you an example, the kind of thing I used to do, when I was working in Lagos, the particular hospital there, after NYC, I used to cover their night shifts. So, patients, women come there to deliver. So, <laughs> we had midwives. Well, we had a midwife. I'm a doctor that do, when I'm on duty. I said, we have a patient in labor. I go there, I go and greet the woman. I said, madam, my name is also I'm so present. I'll be the doctor, doctor that will be taking care of you. I just want you to know something. Of course, she's in labor. Ah, yes, doctor. I said, nobody who I take care of have, will have a problem. The other part she, she never hears is the fact that I say that because I can't handle problems. <laughs> she thinks I'm just talking faith alone. The second part is that, oh boy, it's night. In Lagos. You know, Lagos, they've locked all the streets. I said, what will I do when you develop serious problems? Look at me. Do I look very experienced to you? I finished NYC less than a year ago. You are telling me that you live only me here at night with two people. That's mother and child. Before I left my house, I had prayed. So I told, as soon as I come, I tell the women, ah, madam, how are you? Yes, I'm so sorry, I'm so pressing. I'll be with you throughout your labor this night, and you're going to have a safe delivery. They'll say amen. I said, for your information, number of things I want you to know. Number one, you will not have a problem. You are going to deliver safely. Everything is going to be okay. They are happy to hear it. I never failed. Secondly, I told them that your baby is going to be a boy. How do you know? I said, just experience. I never delivered a girl one day. Wow. I don't know what happened. Though. Don't ask me what magic. I don't know. <laughs> the only person that had a girl, which I would have been the one that broke my rule. I closed work at 8. She delivered at 9. I handed over to the next doctor. And I left. I came next day. She had, I, I came. Ah, madam, how are you? Oh, you have delivered. Oh, congrats. What was it? A, a girl. Don't ask me what happened. I, I didn't pray about it. I just noticed it. So it's not like a joke. I just said, look, you are delivering on my shift. You are having a boy. Now, I'm telling you the story to let you know that I took that thing very seriously. This was after NYC. During NYC. So one day, they brought this. I used to handle my issues. It's prayer because you don't understand. I was in the bush. I had no superior to run to. The next hospital that was bigger than mine was 90 kilometers away, manned by youth coppers also. Where's Jonathan? Ask Jonathan. He served 70 years later in the same place. <laughs> the place is called Seti in Kashaka local government, Taraba State. The next major town is Bali. You drove like four hours, three or four, three to, I can't remember, three to five hours from where I was to get to the state capital. I was in the military barracks, what we call the MIR, medical inspection room, a small clinic there. I had to pray. I needed the prayer. I needed, in fact, there was a particular case. One of my, my, my the guy who was before me, he trained in UNA, he used to diagnose cerebral malaria in babies. And, of course, and he proved it to me, and I believed him. And he managed them, and they were okay. Except that I didn't have the experience to manage cerebral malaria. And from the time he left till I left, I didn't get one case. I said, God, don't send me cerebral malaria. <laughs> because they, they don't even go near it. Can't be given IV, quinine IV, this <laughs> So all these evil spirits of cerebral malaria just waited outside the barracks. 
what I'm telling you, of course, you know it's to be true. I'm not lying to you. So this particular, I, I used to pray. I used to pray. I, I needed a prayer. So one day this particular woman came. I decided through, I used a lot of ingenuity. No, we couldn't do advanced tests and all of that. I said that she had typhoid fever. So I gave her a prescription for a typhoid fever. And she was okay. Then another person from the household came. Another person. Again, I made up my mind for certain that I said this woman had typhoid fever also. But this time around, I gave her a prescription. She left. She came back. I said, no, this woman has to be admitted. I admitted her. And I started treating the much I could. The drug, of course, now I look back and I wonder how good some of the drugs we could get locally were. Except that this woman kept on getting worse. So one day, I came and decided again then that she had perforated her intestine, that she had ruptured her intestine. And I had my reason. I can't teach you the reason why. So I had to change some drugs because for certain reasons. And then, okay, that was the first thing. In the midst of all of this, I came one day. I checked. When was last time she passed urine? Since yesterday. Ah, with all the fluid we are giving, how can? Checked everything. Again, I decided that the kidneys are shut down. You know what they call death? Death was crawling one by one. Little by little, I need to say. The, only, the other doctor was still around. The one that's just a little senior, also a copper. I discussed the matter with what do we do? We did the duty we could. You had to, because now her gut was open. You had to change the antibiotics. The ones you are giving, the kidney is bad. Now, where am I going? So I went home to pray. I went to pray. I said, remember that day I entered my room. Ha, it was fight. You know? War. <laughs> hey. I remember very well. War. And I got to my bed. We had read spiritual authority. Believers authority by Ken Higgin. Took the matter to the Lord. Trashed the matter out in prayer. But you know, there's what they call local standing. I told you, it's very vital in prayer. The only local standing I had was that she's under my care. So she's under my authority. So I said, spirit of death, I refuse. Finished praying. Came in next morning. The kidneys had opened up. Telling you, ah, I looked. I had given her all the drugs I need to crash fever. It refused to come down. In the morning, the fever was down. Prayed last night, came this morning. Kidneys had opened. She was passing urine. Fever was down. Good. Then she turned to me and said, doctor. She, she spoke in a um, full day. But I understood. Well, there was a soldier there who was interpreting. She, spoke, she turned. So I said, what is this? She said, she's hungry. I said, you're hungry? She said, yes. I said, you can't eat yet. Though. But I was so happy. She was half conscious for days before this one. When she said she was hungry, I was so glad. I never had, you're hungry. I begged her that she can't eat yet, but I was so happy she was hungry because it's a sign that she's getting better. Hey, see the way I was dancing. The fever disappeared. The kidneys started making urine, started making steady progress. And I was dancing around the barracks. And I told myself, once I discharge this woman, I'm going to the officer's mess. The way we were entertaining ourselves, a, a plate of pepper soup and a bottle of malt. That was the height of luxury for us in the barracks. So I said, I'm going to the officer's mess. I'm getting myself a plate of pepper soup and a bottle of malt. I, I was dancing. And I came to work early one morning. And the bed was empty. Now I, I got confused. If there was an embarkment in the night, you're supposed to have called me. What's going on? So I stood there. I still remember the name of the soldier tomorrow, Galadima. I screamed, Galadima! He came. Yes, sir. Where is she? Oh, doctor. The husband came at 6 a.m. Said that they said that Babala said he should bring the wife. 
I looked at him. Gladima, you were supposed to call me. I would have refused. Why didn't you call? You know, of course, now Barak I did. If I tell soldier to throw the man out, they will so throw him out. I mean, I was with all my workers, apart from a few were soldiers. I mean, we wore uniform to work. Why didn't you call me? Ah, he didn't think about it. So, I was so angry. I went to apply for a pass. Traveled. I just went to see you. I applied for a pass. I won't travel. I traveled to the south. When I came back, ah, they said, ah, did you hear what? That your patient died. I knew she was going to die. I didn't even doubt it. The moment they took her away, I said it was a contest. You know why I told you the story I told you? I said, the only local standing I had, remember it? Was that she was under my care. So the spirit I wanted to kill her said, no problem. We withdraw her from under your care. And they came, took her early in the morning before I showed up at work. I told the story to let you know. I used prayer to handle down my patient. And I saw the result. I, I saw it. But I lost that battle simply because local standing. I didn't have. The only one I had, the only one I had, they just went around it. Took her very early in the morning. Of course, the man had the right to take his his wife and all of that. And I did if, like I said, if if they had come when I was around, I knew what I I mean, we would have used all kinds of methods. And no, you can take her, there's no problem, but please, I have to finish my treatment. Listen, if you are a doctor, you are a Christian, your primary assignment towards your patient is prayer. It's not the practice of medicine essential. That's prayer first of all, it's prayer. Before you meet them, pray for them. Before they come, cover the environment with intercession. Let it be that you did all that you were supposed to do. I hope you're getting my point here. God will give you opportunities to minister to people like that. Like I was telling my wife this morning when we were discussing. So there's a way you pray. Eh? There's, listen to me, Christians. You will start having what the Bible, you know, Paul said, now let me come to visions and revelations. Prophets have visions and revelations, but take this from me, intercessors also have. At the point that there are times you are praying, God will say, no, relax. You just know that this one, don't bother anymore. It's been determined. cannot be changed. There are times words will come that you did not plan for. You are praying for somebody, words start coming from your mouth. Sometimes you start groaning literally in the spirit. You pray in other tongues. You do all kinds of things. There are times words will come from your mouth you did not even plan. You say, what am I saying? Then after our experience, we let you know. You are speaking by the Spirit. You are making intercessions by the Spirit. Things you did not know. God is using your mouth to say. Sometimes it says in English. Other times, what you are saying is an interpretation of what you have just prayed. That's the job of intercession. An intercessor, that is any labor you are given in life, the assignment is intercession. You are a policeman. The assignment is intercession concerning crime. There are criminals, there are criminals because of evil spirits. God will say, you are the one that will catch you. And by the time you are done, you will be born again. I hope you are getting my point. Don't just carry your weapon of work, whatever it is, no matter the profession, and think that that's all God sent you to go and do, to go and work. No! Like I said, of course, we can go over this again and again. Please, if you are listening to this, just go to our website. One is titled, How to Bless Your Children. The other one is titled, How to Pray for a Nation. If you are a parent, either you are mother or father, your first assignment for these children is what? Prayer. 
intercession. That is God, these children will know the Lord. You know God doesn't have grandchildren. Everyone is a child of God. So God, your children that you brought to my house for training, they will know the Lord. You pray for them that God will fill them with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You oppose the world that's trying to snatch them by prayer. Every, you, saw, you see the kind of prayers that Jesus prayed. You will pray, Father God, I pray that he, that she, we abide in your love. That you will give my son, my daughter, the revelation of your love. In the name of Jesus Christ, let the angel that's beholding your face every day shield her from all trouble. According to what you taught us to pray, he said, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from doing evil. So I pray for this child of mine. In the name of Jesus, you will shield him, Father God, from temptation and deliver him from doing evil. There are days you wrote concerning his life, concerning her life. I pray that she will not miss any day. That I pray that he will not miss. See, we read the prayer of Jesus Christ. Look, it's simple. Just what Jesus prayed for us, you pray for them. Simple. As he taught you, as you saw him pray it, you too pray it like that. That is a job. Your name is wife. Uh huh. Assignment is what? Pray for the husband. And listen, one thing you will do with your Bible, you know. I, I, I thank God for praying in other tongues, though. You say, I re- referred to it just now. Eh? But I don't want this one that the costas do. As if that's the only way to pray. I think it's wrong. I think it's wrong. And like somebody said, sometimes we carry this things to the point of, you know, it's a sign of our laziness. And if you are doing out of laziness, it's not effective, I can assure you. I can assure you, if, it is a sign, if it's, you are doing out of laziness, you never have words to speak. You just hide behind shukolo, 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 shukolo. It's, it's not working. It's not working. You're not having effect. Take your Bible for goodness sake. The examples in scripture. The examples in modern times. People that told you stories. Use those examples to pray. When Hannah gave Samuel to God, that's a good prayer point. In prayer, he said, present your bodies as what? A living sacrifice. Hannah presented her offspring as what? A living sacrifice. So join the two together. Carry your children as a living sacrifice. Say, Lord, I give them to you. They will serve you. The way Samuel served in the tabernacle, so will they serve you all the days of their lives. Yes, because you have authority. You offer that prayer as, that's your job. Not, Lord, let this child live so that they can take care of me when, they are, they, when I'm old. The angels will just toss you to one side. This one is not serious. God didn't give them to you so you can take, what? Who told you you need taking care of when you are old? Are you prophesying for yourself? When you are old, what God said, you will still be full of sap. Let me pray for you. You will dash your great-grandchildren money. Amen. It's a prayer. That God will prosper you so much. God will prosper you so much. You hear that your grandchild is getting married. You say, which kind of car do I buy now as a present? That is the kind of thing you will do for your grandchildren. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God will make nations serve you. Amen. Unbelievers will serve you. Amen. The economy will serve you. Amen. The land will serve you. Amen. The fruits of the field will serve you. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Yeah, I wanted to just get that one out of the way. Because the reason why you are praying for this children is so that they can do the will of God. It's not for your own good. They will honor you no, without any doubt. They will honor you. But you are praying so that they will do the will of God for their lives. You are a husband. 
Your primary assignment is not to bring food to the house. That's secondary. What's the primary assignment? Intercession. Pray for the wife. You pray for the children. Wife and husband, you join hands and pray for the children. Together in agreement. You pray for... Is it, it's not a one-day job. It's your primary assignment. You no, know, Jesus is still praying. Jesus is still praying. You know that? You can't stop praying. You can't stop. You can't stop. At this, just wake up during the night. What am I supposed to do now? Just get down there. Start listing the children one by one. Reading scriptures over their head. You know what I'm saying? That's what God gave you life for. It's, look, intercession is the assignment that he gave believers. The assignment he gave believers. When God puts in any field in life, again, you are the intercessor for that field. What do I mean? For example, you are in the commerce sector of the nation. You are in the education sector of the nation. Let's take education as an example. There's a lot of nonsense going on. Do you, you know? When they say Charles Ludo shut down one school, if you see the way I rejoined, I told my wife she wanted to jump up. He said it has started. Judgment has started against iniquity in education. Like that Catholic bishop said, you said INEC rigged election. He said, you taught INEC to rig from primary school. Why should somebody you taught dishonesty from childhood be honest as an adult? It's a system. But you know what? It has to be tackled. It has to be tackled. It has to be tackled. See, what, what in concern um, those who are drilling crude oil and exporting liquefied gas with education? They won't think about it. It is you that's a university lecturer that will think about it. Is it you that the secondary school teacher that will think, think about it? Is it you that's the proprietress of a school that will think about it? It is you that work in the sector that will think about it. It's you that's a, what do you call the Ministry of Education. You are the one that will think about it. I can't be thinking about um, security. They are bombing places and I'm arresting terrorists. I'll still be thinking about education. If I'm a soldier, I have, dif- I have a different set of problems. Though. So God said, let's share this work. If you are a soldier in Nigeria, you are NSCDC, you are DSS, and you are a policeman, your first job is prayer concerning the security of the nation. What God did was to share us everywhere. Every profession, God established different ones of us in different places. And let me tell you, so please, can I just say something? Intercessors should be informed people. Yeah, you should be informed. You should be informed. I told you that once. They told me. I've used this illustration several times. They say, ah, petroleum industry bill. It must not pass in Jesus' name. They say, you know, WhatsApp allows us to afford a lot of nonsense. Someone just cook up rubbish. We forward it. Once it agrees with our flesh, what do we do? We forward it again. And you know, all kinds of, when I see what professors forward, embarrassing. One day I told one of my classmates, I said, is there every nonsense that you must forward? I just showed you what was silly about what he wrote, which was forwarded to him. I forwarded it to our class group. I said, my bro, this guy is a professor, a specialist doctor and professor. I said, is it every nonsense that hits your phone you must forward? One day, one guy forwarded something. When I finished with him, eh, Kai, the guy wanted to eat me alive. He abused me so much, I didn't see the abuse. Somebody called me. I said, please, don't answer him. Don't answer him. Please. I said, answer him about what? Well, that's what, ah, I started laughing. I said, I'm biased. Look at the way you are fighting like small picking. 
Why you know someone with your forward rubbish? I asked him, I said, is your phone on auto forward? <laughs> Everything hits your phone, you go forward down. I was so angry with that day. I realized that, look, wisdom not be whether you go to school or you don't go to school. See, let me just make you laugh. You know, during COVID, I had a classmate, especially practice in the UK. She wake up in the morning and tell us how to mix lemongrass with turmeric and uh, garlic and all of that to cure COVID. Now I say, my sister, wait, which kind of medicine are you practicing now? So after a while, I said, you are the mamalawo of our class. No, babalawo. And I said, so I said, mamalawo, the mamalawo of our class. I realized that this is going to school plenty. You just, you have to just open your heart to wisdom. I said, with all the book where we read for school, you say, me, I go boil lemongrass because of COVID. <laughs> me, I'm more friend with the child for back. I said, we should withdraw this girl's certificate for goodness sake. <laughs> now, why am I saying all of this? Hmm? I'm talking about what? Being enlightened. So then, they folded the thing around. Just forwarding that uh, petroleum industry bill. It mustn't stand. It mustn't stand. When they got to him, they said, pray. It was a simple question I asked. I said, what do I know about the industry to be praying that the bill would not stand? I said, I'm sorry, I can't. So I just, I said, I will pray. What did I pray? Justice, fairness, you know, prosperity for the nation. Until I met one of our brothers. I said, hey, he's the high up in that industry. I said, what do you think about this? They said, we should pray that it should not stand. The question he asked me, I said, are those people Nigerians? Do they love this country? That's what he said. Then he took time out and explained to me the beauty. He said, we have worked on this thing for over 20 years. Finally, President Buhari signed it into law. He said, he told me it was an answer to prayer. You should come and use your ignorant, I'm, I'm the one adding this now. Don't come and use your ignorant prayer to scuttle a good work. I, I hope you are following me. For that reason, as an intercessor, be informed. Not even they say they want to Islamize education in Nigeria. You, you, you start praying rubbish prayer. Go and investigate. Is it true? If what you see, because when you are inside it, God will let you see some things that are wrong. And you take it to him first before you take it to the protest. And please, once you have brought a matter to the Lord, you don't be talking any house about it on social media. You enter your closet. The Bible says God will reward you openly. He will answer you openly also. Get, be informed. Be informed about your industry. Take the matter up in prayer. Manufacturing. The country needs to manufacture. We shouldn't be dependent on imported goods. But for goodness sake, I'm a preacher. How am I going to take that to prayer every day? What's my own with tariff? Do you see tariff on Bible? Tariff on how many scriptures I quote? I can't understand it now. You are the one that knows the problem with dollar, uh, the, the dual, dual, what do you call that? Dual exchange rate. You are the one that knows. I don't know. You are the one that understands why a small good goods from Cotonou is disturbing your work. The point I'm making, however, God has given you the assignment to do what? To pray. Let me say it this way. It's not just I'm a Christian, I pray. No. It is my job. If this industry collapses, I will be held responsible. If things don't go well in Nigeria, I will be held responsible. I pray that the Nigerian police and military they will have Christian soldiers forum in which they come to pray. Yes. They form a church group. They are praying. Because you think all these wars we are fighting, they are physical wars. 
You think they are physical wars? These are spiritual wars. And God has shared his children into different places. Say, each one of you handle your district and handle it well. Let me summarize it like this. Any title you carry puts the primary assignment of intercession on you in an area. When Jesus died, he didn't die just to pay for our sins alone. He died to end the right to pray. I hope you're getting my point. Any industry you have entered into, you have earned the right to and the duty to pray there. Let's rise to our feet and bring this meeting to a close in a short while. But let's pray for a minute or two. First of all, give the Lord thanks again this evening for the privilege of working with him. Yes, the privilege. Lord, thank you for giving me direction. Thank you for making me able to work with you. Thank you. Thank you for you have made me an instrument of righteousness. Thank you because you have called me to walk along with you. Once again, Lord, I, re- I repent of slackness. Having not done the duty that you gave me over these years. Once again, Lord, I repent. I repent of failure to do that which you ordained for me to do. I thank you for giving me light this season. I thank you for giving me light this season. Say, Lord, I thank you for giving me light this season. Say, this evening again, Lord, I ask for grace to be effective. Fill me afresh. Because there's nothing we do in our own power. No. There's nothing, including praying. We don't do it with our own power. Because it takes patience. It takes persistence. Remember, people prayed for Jesus to come. We know the story of Simeon and Anna. And many people like that who we do not know their names. But they had to persist. Sometimes you do this thing for decades. So you need the spirit of God to keep you standing. Say, Lord, fill me afresh with the spirit of the intercessor. It's important. That, ask, ask him for that anointing this evening. Ask him for a release of that spirit so it can be effective. Ask him for a release of that spirit this evening so it can be effective. The anointing to pray. The anointing to pray. The anointing to intercede. Ask him, say, Lord, pour it upon me. That watchman anointing is called the watchman anointing. That watchman anointing in which I will not give the Lord rest until he fulfills that which he has promised. That's the job of a watchman. He said, upon your walls, O Zion, I have set watchmen. He said, they will not give the Lord rest until he establishes Jerusalem as a priest. On the earth. He said on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. He said, you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. And give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That's it. Say, Lord, that grace to be able to persist. That's it. You're praying for your brother. He doesn't change overnight. Say, what? Does it matter? I have grace. Me and you are here. Me and you, we are here. Until you get to know the Lord, I will not relent. Until you are on fire for Jesus, I will not relent. Paul said, my little children, for whom I travel in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. God gives people to you as your responsibility. Say, Lord, grace to carry my responsibility. That's what I've come for this night. That's the primary thing I'm asking for right now. Grace to carry it. Grace to do that which you ordained for me to do. Grace not to be tired. 
Grace not to lose hope. He said, men ought always to pray and not to get tired of praying. What does that tell you? Answers may appear delayed. Say, grace to keep standing on the wall concerning my nation. Say, Lord, I yield myself as an instrument of righteousness for intercession. For this field you have placed me inside, I must be an instrument of righteousness. Yes, in ministry, God has placed you inside it, not to be criticizing and complaining and observing and commenting, but to take that area to God in prayer. God said concerning Jeremiah, remember Jeremiah? (laughs) Jeremiah was not just a seer. Jeremiah was a prophet indeed. He was not just a seer. He was a prophet indeed. He had the spirit of the intercessor. He had the watchman's spirit. And when God placed a word upon his lips, he had a duty to pull down, to uproot, to overthrow and to destroy. And then to build and to plant. And we have seen, those things start in the place of prayer. So you are a ministry. You have an assignment to uproot certain issues from the body of Christ, from the airwaves. Say, Lord, I have learned some things in this meeting. But give me more understanding so that I can do my work effectively. I ask for a fresh outpouring of your spirit. The spirit of intercessor. Oh, I feel God is doing, that's what he wants to release in this. That's why we have taught like this. And that spirit is beginning to flow. It's flowing into the hearts of those who are paying attention to this. And Paul said, don't quench it. When it begins to flow, don't quench it. It will get you up at night to pray. Everybody's gathered to watch TV. Suddenly you have this urge, you will get up and leave. And you'll get on your knees and you begin to pray. The assignment is heavy. The harvest is plentiful, he said. Laborers are few. We can, you know, we can interpret that also to mean there's a lot to do. There's little time to do them. It's time to start learning to redeem the time. The time you spend chatting away, his intercessory time you are wasting. The time you spend running commentary, it's time for intercession on that subject. Oh, intercessors, I want you to pray for Nigeria right now. Say, Lord, we ask you for peace upon this land. Now, we know we have prayed like that before, but now pray with a different understanding now of your responsibility. Say, Lord, I'm a citizen. I'm a citizen. The first duty of a citizen is to pray. So, therefore, Lord, I pray that you have mercy upon this land. That you shine your, you know, you shine your face. Let your face shine upon this land with mercy. Lord, we ask that you do not release that locust, that fire, that earthquake, the turmoil that judgment has decreed because you don't want the land to die entirely. It can't survive your wrath. So the nations cannot endure your indignation. So we ask for your mercy upon this nation. Let wars cease. Cause wars to cease. Make peace reign. Let the gospel advance. Let the gospel advance. All over the nation, from the north to the south, from the east to the west, and every corner therein, every square meter, Lord, fill with the knowledge of the truth. As you have said to us, if you want this nation, I will give it to you. Lord, we ask you for this nation. John Knox was said to have said, give me Scotland or I die. Oh, if God will find people that will have that kind of drive in their hearts for this land, he will give them this nation. I say it again by the Spirit of God. If you want this land, thus says the Lord, I will give it to you. He said that the church of God in Nigeria. 
And John said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What does that mean? That thing I've just said now, the Lord is saying it to you personally also. If you want this land, I will give it to you. If you truly want this land, I will give it to you. If you truly want this sector, I will give it to you. You know, understand the purpose now. It's to establish the kingdom of God. Now, I wanted to pray like John Knox. Say, Lord, give me this or I die. It's important. It's from the bottom of your heart. Give me this land. Give us this land or we die. We are not yielding it up to anybody. Nobody can Islamize this country under my watch. John Knox prayed to the Lord. He said, give me Scotland or I die. If anyone we are approaching with that kind of heartfelt, persistent prayer, ha, you are going to see the power of God. Parents, once again, pray for your children before we go. Mention them by name. Say, you will serve the Lord. I give you to God the way Samuel was given. You are devoted to the Lord. You will do the will of God for your life. The spirit of faith will fill you. The world will not have you. Say, Lord, I pray for my son. I pray for my daughter. I pray for my children. They are angels which behold your face on a regular basis. We shield them in. Keep them from evil. And keep them on the path of righteousness. And deliver them from trouble. Say, Lord, this is your servant. I declare this child of mine your servant. Oh, Father God, we give you praise. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. Oh, Lord, we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Please, we have just prayed this evening as a sample. You know what Jesus said? Men ought always to pray. You know, before I used to wonder, (laughs) always pray about what? Now I realize that there's not enough time. Ah, there's not enough time. After we finished preaching last Tuesday, that's when my wife said she woke up one night. One hour. And she, only, she went only 15% of the way. Just one, that was after one hour. See, I never started. And the other things to pray about. What we need, all right, is understand. Like I said, we have received grace. Somebody say, I've received grace. I've received grace. I've received grace to be faithful. I've received the anointing of the watchman. I will not depart from my post. I will not give the Lord rest until he establishes my Jerusalem as a praise on the earth. Now that Jerusalem means different things for different people. Your children are Jerusalem. The sector of life that God has given to you is your Jerusalem also. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, it's your Jerusalem. If any security man is listening to this, maybe you're a soldier, you're a policeman, you're a DSS agent, or you're a believer, you've gotten your job right now. You've gotten it correct now. Your job is, first of all, that of an intercessor. It's, first of all, that of an intercessor. Specifically concerning security in the land. See, God didn't send Christians to go and work for food. Did you hear what I said? God doesn't send those believers to go and work for food. Everywhere it sends us an assignment. Food can be an incentive. You understand? One of the reasons why God withholds food is 
This boy no good do anything. If I give him and chop, they'll just chop. If you just eat in anyhow. But whatever area, God didn't send you there because of food. Many people listen to me. God will begin to open your eyes. In fact, you know, many people say, what's my ministry in life? Is now you will understand it. Because as you are praying, God will start opening your eyes. Many reason, one reason why we have not been able to get the visions of God clear and the directions of God clear is that we are really walking in the flesh. And like I said, if you are not praying, you are trusting in the flesh. I hope you get my point. If you are not praying, is there, look, there's nothing about, you are trusting in the flesh. Anyone who is not praying is trusting in the flesh. Whatever you want to do, if you are not praying, you are trusting in the flesh. If you are going to write an exam, you are not praying, you are trusting the flesh. If you are raising children, you are not praying, you are, you are, you are planning to use psychology. And you know the truth? All flesh is what? Grass. It's a failure. You will do everything right. The children will turn out wrong. If you are not praying, you are walking by the flesh. You are walking by the flesh. Listen, this is the season of walking by the Spirit. Listen, from that prayer I pray today, I, I'm telling you, the Spirit of the watchman has come upon men. Amen. Let me beg you, don't quench the Spirit. Yeah. Many times the Spirit will tell you, hey, there's no way you're rushing to. You don't have to open that office by, is it eight? You normally open it. It will be your own business. Say, open it by nine today. Go there by 7.30. But tell them today we're opening by nine. You stay inside there and be praying. If you read Brother Andrew's God Smuggler, there's one man there. He ran a restaurant. He used to pray on chair. You know, a chair. If you sit on this chair today, <laughs> you will be filled with, with, with salvation. There are times he will preach to an empty chair so that whoever sits there later will hear the gospel. Go and read the book, God Smuggler. That this man looked like, okay, no, I should not come today. You bring the chair and preach to this chair. Then when you come later, you sit on it, you'll be hearing the gospel. <laughs> he ran the restaurant, I think. That's what he ran. Oh, yeah, the small business. I hope you're getting my point. Tell your neighbor, don't quench this spirit. Say to another person, don't quench this spirit. Say, the spirit has come upon you. The spirit of the watchman. The spirit of the intercessor. So don't quench this spirit. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you. In Jesus' name.